Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Do I wake up now? <laughs> well, let's bring back the circle again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. This is your energy, the energy mon. That didn't work. <laughs> this is the energy mon. And this is your tree song. <laughs> Just like, well, I'm my tree song. I'm my own person. So, um, I think before we get into the news, um, let's talk about the news. Breaking news, as of an hour ago, the U.S. House in a 316 to 113 vote voted in the omnibus spending bill for $1.1 trillion, which will fund the federal government until September 30th, 2016. <laughs> yep. So, what, man, you know... That's like not even a year. Yeah. <laughs> so how can they just do part of a year? I guess, you know, they don't they don't want to act like they're spending too much. Like, yeah, the numbers sound smaller if they do it for just part of the year. They should have done it like a little shorter, so it was under a trillion. So Yeah. Um part of it is uh the US extends the so- soul the solar and wind tax credits which will uh, boost uh, clean energy an estimated $73 billion over the next five years. Mm-hmm. So, um, and keep up on the newswire because things are popping. <laughs> yeah, things are popping as we speak. And as you'll hear in some of our later news, lot, th- things might be popping that we don't want to pop. <laughs> but that's uh, later news for the story. Uh, first, let's get to this one. Uh, today, I don't know. Have you heard any environmental news this past week? Uh, any environmental news at all? Uh, there's been one big story that I've been hearing just about everybody talk about. <laughs> I suppose we should talk about that one. I Do, haven't heard it. You haven't heard this one? Uh, green groups are deeply divided on whether the Paris Agreement is a win or a loss. So as you may have heard, there were these people gathering in Paris recently uh, at the COP21 conference. and It wasn't actually COPs. Yeah, it wasn't actually COPs. It's Conference on the Parties is what COP stands for. So, And it was the 21st conference they had. So here's the story. It took tw- Wait a second. It took 21 <laughs> conferences to create yeah. a worldwide agreement? 21 years for them to agree on something. I mean, <laughs> well, it is 195 different countries getting together, so I guess it takes them a while to agree the sky is blue, much less anything else. Like, well, it's great today here in my country. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So here we go. A global climate agreement has been struck. The tide has turned. So environmentalists are happy, right? Well, that depends on which ones you ask. There's a surprisingly large range of opinions among progressives, both advocacy groups and elected officials. Imagine if they would, like, focus on some one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's always been how successful the, you know, the other lobbying groups have you know, succeeded in doing things. Because there's a lot of people who are doing this stuff. Yeah. You know, they're just all focusing on different things. And if they could just figure out that it's all connected, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, if they could find a way to unite around it all. So the major mainstream U.S. green groups, Big Green as we sometimes call them, are singing the Paris Agreement's praises. Take the Sierra Club, for example. Quote, President Obama's leadership in getting the world to this landmark agreement, turning point for humanity, 
will go down in the annals of history, said Sierra Club Executive Director Michael Brune. 20 years too late, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After 21 years, they finally got around to agreeing, well, maybe we should not cook the entire planet. Well, yeah, my favorite thing is how... Anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll badmouth the U.S. <laughs> in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a whole show's worth of that <laughs> coming up, so... <laughs> the Natural Resource Defense Council started, or sounded almost as enthusiastic. A great tide has turned, said Ria Su, the group's president. Finally, the world stands united against the central environmental challenge of our time. Alden Meyer, director of policy and strategy at the UN, UN, Union <laughs> of Concerned Scientists, was excited too. Let me see if I can read this excited. The agreement's temperature goal, net zero emissions objective, and process this steadily increase the ambition of natural emissions reduction commitments combined to send a clear message to the fossil fuel industry. After decades of deception and denial, your efforts to block action on climate change are no longer working, end quote. Hmm. Yeah. So this isn't how all of the green groups felt, though. It tend, I've been reading a ton of stuff about this conference, and it tended to be the big green groups that have a lot of nonprofit funding that were uh, mostly the ones who were happy with the agreement, and the more grassroots ones who tended to be opposed to the agreement. Now, 350.org is a little bit of a difference. They... They were one of the ones that were disappointed uh, because they didn't like the slow timeline and the lack of any measures to constrain fossil fuel extraction. So it's 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 a good goal, yeah. But there's no actual timeline on, you know, yeah. s- s- you know. There's no timeline. There's no specific steps to constrain extraction. The analogy I was making earlier is it's like if your house is on fire and you said. Oh, yeah, you know what? I should put out that fire. I don't know if I'm going to use a fire extinguisher or a teacup or what. But, I mean, just for the majority of the governments in the world to accept that the fossil fuel era is over? Yeah, it's just, that is historic. Okay. Just, it's, just it's, that. Yeah, it's ideologically, it's an historic moment. You know, it's a, it's a world-changing moment that all of the governments have admitted to that. But what it will take is follow-through from the 7 billion people <laughs> to actually do something about it. So uh, here's a quote from 350.org's Bill McKibben. Every government seems now to recognize that the fossil fuel era must end soon. But the power of the fossil fuel industry is reflected in the text, which drags out the transition so far that endless climate damage will be done. Since pace is the crucial question now, activists must redouble our efforts to weaken the industry. Friends of the Earth, U.S., was even more dissatisfied. Its activism around the COP21 conference focused largely on climate justice issues, such as getting the developed world to contribute more assistance to developing countries to adapt to climate change, to transition to clean energy, and as compensation for climate change-related loss and damage. So that's, you know, uh, loss and damage they experienced because of climate change. Now, the thing that disappointed me most was the fact that there is no mention of indigenous peoples in there, the people who are going to be and are most affected already by climate change. Yeah. You know, the, the, the far-flung people in the remote areas. So yeah. the people who really have no voice, except they are the voice for Mother Nature because they live with it. Yeah. That's their way of survival. Yeah, they're the only people still living in, uh, in, in harmony there, and they've been intentionally excluded because it was debated because they came and they pushed to be included, and there were various drafts where they tried to include them. And I think they got like a, a cursory mention in the introductory stuff. But in the actual policy section of what they're doing, there's nothing about indigenous rights and indigenous communities. 
So they were left out of this agreement. So here's a quote. The Paris Agreement is not a fair, just, or science-based deal, said Erika Pika, the group's president. The United States has hindered ambition. The result is an agreement that could see low-lying islands and coastlines swallowed up by the sea and many African lands ravaged by drought. Okay, I want to know why they say could when it's already <laughs> happening now. Yeah. Well, yeah, could, would, will would be a, a more... And see, this is where the wording... I mean, yeah. the United States held out really hard to just change a word from shall to should. Yeah. You know, shall in legalese means <laughs> you will do it. Yeah. Legally. And you, should is like a sort of philosophical, oh, well, we ought to do this, but right. maybe we will. Right. Yeah. And that was, there were whole articles about just that thing. I didn't include one of those, but it was a big deal because they, the U.S. fought to change it from shall to should in order to get out of binding agreements. So they can say, oh, yeah, we should burn less fossil fuels, but we're not going to. Right. But I mean, also, you know. The political will is not here in the U.S. really to sign anything. So if they change that one word, we could sign on it because people would be willing to sign on it. And so it'd be a step. Yeah. You know. Yeah, one article I read was actually claiming that it was a triumph that they changed it from shall to should because that means the Congress doesn't have to approve it. Like if, if they say shall, then it becomes a binding commitment and then, and then it has Congress, to go through Congress. Okay, so if it should, the, the federal government can actually do it. Yeah, that's that's and supposedly need Congress's per- permission. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, the good news is they like Congress would have probably rejected it if it had gone through Congress. But the bad news is that this means we don't have a binding commitment to do anything. Right. <laughs> I mean, we kind of have a binding commitment to report on how much we're emitting. <laughs> that's about it. Everything else is shoulds and Don't worry, the rest try. of the world will hold us to the smoky fire. Don't oh, yeah. worry. Well, and that's that's the one silver lining is that um, it's it all before the conference and after the conference. It's really up to the people, you know, whether or not anything gets done on the climate is going to depend on whether we the people take action on it and hold leaders accountable. And we the people are making money off of. This. <laughs> yeah, this company is bottling air in Canada and selling it to China. <laughs> when I heard about a company selling bottled air, I assumed it was like you know a conceptual art project. Uh, you know, a commentary on the state of global air quality. But no, it's real. At least I'm pretty sure it's real. There's some weird things happening out there right now. But Vitality Air, a Canadian startup, markets two products. Now, I mean, this isn't surprising, really, because, I mean, there's oxygen bars. Yeah. And then, I mean, imagine the people who started bottling water. The first time, you know, right? They, yeah, they were probably thought to be crazy. So, the two products are, the first, Premium Oxygen is a canister of 96% pure oxygen. And that's not weird. People actually have been selling pure oxygen. What Actual, oxyg- actual air is like 27% oxygen. But people have been selling pure oxygen for years, you know, both in travel containers and in ox- oxygen bars. Proponents of oxygen therapy say it reduces stress, boosts energy, and increases concentration. I actually can tell a story when I worked as a nurse. Um, You know, you'd have the big oxygen canisters that you would hook up to the people who have a tube to breathe with. Yeah. But we'd also keep one emergency one on the nurse's station for someone else who was just like, you know, feeling a little listless and we'd just give them a puff to see. 
Yeah. But of course, we nurses kept it at the nursing station when you work a night shift. <laughs> and you just go by there and just put it on your and like, oh yeah. And it's like it, it was better than coffee. Yeah. Like late at night and <laughs> partially because you, you know inside a building there's not much oxygen. <laughs> yeah. So that's the more traditional product. Uh, they also have come out with this second product, and it's a little less conventional. Uh, fresh, clean air is harvested, for lack of a better term, from the Canadian Rockies. And it comes in two flavors, Banff and Lake Louise. Uh, the product's description for Banff bottled air reads, in the setting of Banff National Park in Alberta, Canada, we have painstakingly distilled and bottled the air in this pristine UNESCO World Heritage Site using our patented filtration technique. The air is collected over days, concentrating the essence of where it was captured. I mean, it basically sounds like they just suck air out of the air and compress it. Yeah. They, ba- they basically, like- yeah, they suck the air out and put it in an oxygen tank. <laughs> and they make it sound really fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're, I mean, since they are taking it out of the environments, I don't know what their filtration process is, but there may actually be, like, I don't know, a pine scent or something. But it's probably just oxygen, you know. If it's 97% I mean, you've oxygen. been out in nature. It's pretty exhilarating, the, you know, walking around and breathing the air. Yeah. I, I, mean, I would have to try it. I'm kind of skeptical that they can actually capture that in a can. Well. But they're trying. Now, whether or not it actually works, Vitality's first shipment to Canada actually sold out in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I said Canada, to China. To China. From Canada to China. Right. And you can probably see why. Beijing recently issued China's first red alert for pollutions. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of the pictures of China recently. It literally looks like the inside of a fire. Yeah. Or inside of a coal plant, you know. Yeah, it reminds me of when the uh, England and Europe were in the Industrial Revolution and they were just there's smog so thick you couldn't see the buildings. It, it's like that there in the I present that day. that was fog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you look at an old picture and you you think it's foggy, and it's like, wait a minute, that's the smog. That's it's like black smoke. it's black smoke. That's not good to breathe. Just FYI. So a quote from the co-founder: "Quote as much as it started out as a novelty idea with the really bad smog they've had in Beijing, we're finding people are buying it more than just as a novelty, but for everyday use. There's actually quite a demand. Now, um, for years." Japan has sold a, base, a personal air filter that you just hang around your neck, mm-hmm. and it sucks in you know the polluted air, and then cleans it out. It's an air purifier, and then blows the air up to your face. Yeah, and um, but that's not good enough when you know there's that thick of pollution. Yeah, you have to change your filter every five minutes. So, so the. Co-founder of this company hopes that bottled air will be the next bottled water, which we say, dear God, no, there's yeah, enough no. waste. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, there's just so much waste, and then we just want the air to be clean. We don't want to have to breathe out of a bottle. It's like the Lorax. Have you seen the Lorax movie? It's like, if you actually are interested, though, canisters of fresh air, no, fresh, clean air start at $14 plus shipping and handling. Yeah. Or you could, you know, step outside if you don't live in a smoggy city. Or get out of the city. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's, those are not options for many people. Yeah, many people. I mean, I feel a lot of sympathy for them. Because, you know, here in southern Illinois, we step out of the building, we walk five feet. We're fine. <laughs> Just get five, ten, fifteen feet away from the road. It's a beautiful day. But if you're in, in a smoggy city, you're stuck. Did you 
read about that the Chinese artist who for I think it was six months just sucked pollution out of the air basically and made an art piece. Yeah, he made bricks out of it, didn't he? I heard it's about like, this. You know, he was just sucking the carbon out of the air and there was so much carbon that he was able to collect it and then make, you know, sculptures. Yeah. So. All right, so in some other news here. Uh, see, I wish I were an investor because this story came as no surprise to me uh, that I've got, you know, about $10 to invest. <laughs> Paris Climate Pact sinks coal stocks and lifts renewable energy. A landmark deal to curb global warming dented shares of fossil fuel companies and lifted renewable energy stocks on Monday, although some prices, price swings were muted by the non-binding nature of the pact. Renewable energy companies are expected to see big upticks in investments to develop new technologies in the coming years, while coal and oil companies may see tougher regulations. So the MAC Global Solar Energy Index was up 4.5%. The iShares Global Clean Energy Exchange Traded Fund, which allows investors to trade a basket of renewable energy stocks. I want one of those baskets. Yeah, that sounds like a nice festive basket. So that one rose 1.4%. U.S. oil and gas index fell 1% before reversing losses. So they panicked for a day and said, oh, okay, we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> and it was up 0.2% as oil edged higher after plumbing to the lowest levels in about seven years. So that was the oil, but shares of companies that produce coal, which is seen as dirtier than oil and gas, sank the most. Peabody Energy Corp. dropped 12.6%, and Consul Energy fell 3.3%. Yeah. I I am not always a good person. I because <laughs> like, when I saw that about Peabody, you want to get a piece of coal for Christmas? Yeah, I think I need a piece of coal for Christmas. Because when I saw that about Peabody Energy, they have caused so much harm and so many lives. I I just laughed and said, "Oh, they're losing twelve point six percent. Poor Peabody. <laughs> Maybe it's time to get into a business that doesn't ruin lives." Now, solar companies, of course, welcome the pact. Their shares have been hammered this year on fears that low oil prices would sap demand for renewable energy. Quote, Without question, solar is positioned to make the single greatest contribution of any industry to carbon reduction goals, more than wind, more than efficiency, more than any other technology on the horizon, said SunPower Corp. Executive, Chief Executive Officer Tom Warner. Of course, he's a solar person, but, you <laughs> yeah. know. I but, mean, yeah, it doesn't take a solar person <laughs> to realize that, though. And uh, I, this is why I think it's really important, and there are a few programs like this, but it's really important to have programs to retrain people in the fossil fuel industry to work in the clean energy industry because they can use some of their technical stills, stay in the energy sector, and the, the fossil fuels people are going to be losing their jobs, so they need clean energy jobs to transition to because clean energy is just going to keep growing and growing. So I did mention that you know the, the big... $1.1 trillion uh, omnibus spending bill passed in the House. Yeah. Um, now, for the renewable energy and the solar and wind tax credits to not expire end of next year, they had to make a pact with the oily devil. Yeah, they made a deal with the devil. Big Oil just won another round in Congress. In a blow to environmental activists, lawmakers agreed late Tuesday to lift the 40-year-old oil export ban in a budget deal for the coming year. In exchange, the wind and solar industries would receive tax credit extensions for the next five years. 
So <laughs> now, I mean, the this ban, it's very interesting. What I don't know why they are lifting this ban because this ban was actually established to protect America's energy security after the oil embargo of the 1970s. Yeah. Well, they're lifting it because they got paid. <laughs> they got paid by the fossil fuel industry to lift it. I mean, that's my supposition here. <laughs> like... Donations, vote, it seems to make a lot of sense to me. So, of course, oil production is expected to get a big boost from this lifting of this ban. Oil yeah. Change International estimates that it will add an additional 467,000 barrels a day, while the American Petroleum Institute estimates up to 500,000. Now, these are two different spectrums one, yeah. one is like oil change international we need to stop doing oil the other is the petroleum we yeah. should do more so for them to get that close it's probably a sign it's a reasonable figure yeah quote this is a powerful reminder of just how powerful big oil and the cook brothers are said rata adhar federal policy representative for the sierra club so this another part of this news is that the bakken oil fields that we've discussed here before uh, they've been starting to see some decline, but this will also likely increase the amount of oil being moved from the Bakken fields in North Dakota to the coasts. So the the oil industry is expected to benefit from this ban, of course. But American consumers are not expected to reap much advantage, according to analysis from the Federal Energy Information Administration. If the ban is repealed, oil and gas prices for consumers would slightly decrease or remain the same in sense. What we pay for gas depends more on the global market than it does on one trade policy. Yeah, and this has a remarkable number of opponents. The, the manufacturing industry, which includes oil refineries, is expected to take a hit, at least in some ways. United Steelworkers Union has been working with the Sierra Club to oppose lifting the ban. What? <laughs> yep, Steelworkers and Sierra Club working together to try to stop uh, the end of this ban. Their quote is, there is no way to spin it. Lifting the crude oil export ban will be disastrous for our jobs, our climate, and our environment, the two groups said in a joint statement. So Yeah. And those two groups, as you may know, don't always agree on things. So the fact that they both agree on the harms of lifting this ban is a pretty big deal. So on a lighter note, we've got kind of a funny story here. Uh, North, kind of. <laughs> kind of. This is such a ridiculous story. North Carolina town bans solar energy for fear that it will suck up all of the energy from the sun. That's and, a quote. That's a quote. That's not our whimsical interpretation. That was the actual public comment was it will, quote, suck up all the energy from the sun. But, I mean, the name of the town is Woodland. Yeah. So, I mean, they do want to, you know, make sure their trees get enough sun. Yeah. So they don't want to waste that solar. Um. The North Carolina town of Woodland, population 809, has rejected a solar farm and put a moratorium on new solar construction due to some, let us say, unconventional concerns from local residents. Yeah, they've reported that the city council rejected a proposal to rezone a solar farm after residents expressed, expressed concern that the farm... I don't know where they come up with all these risks. They're saying the farm is going to cause... Cancer deaths, kill plants around the panels, drive away young people from the town, because you know how much millennials hate solar. <laughs> so the, the best slash worst reason they came up with, though, was local resident Bobby Mann, who claimed that they would literally suck up all the energy from the sun. Now, just to be clear, a representative from Strata Solar tried to assure the public that the panels wouldn't really 
draw additional sunlight. And even if they did, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the sun is large. Even if it were somehow drawn. Okay, now just like, I mean, they're not actually sucking up anything. Yeah. They're catching the, what do you call it, the photons coming from the sun. Yeah. So the sun, I mean, the fo- those photons have left the sun ages ago. Yeah. And they're streaming here. Yeah, they're not going back to the sun. Well, I guess unless you hold a mirror and just like- it gets all the way back there. But yeah, so this is kind of a ridiculous concern. So the sun is a multi-billion source of energy. Uh, so they, yeah, they just, it's just a ridiculous concern. And then the concern that cancer solar, you know, um, solar panels cause cancer is there's about as much evidence as, uh, electricity causes cancer. Yeah. So, I mean, if you lay on the panel and sunbathe, you might get skin cancer eventually. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah, you probably should get, you know, if you are laying on a solar panel, you probably should get your skin and your brain checked. Yeah, because <laughs> you're blocking the light from the panel. Yeah, what a waste. It's like you're sucking up the sun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, today is Bake Cookies Day and National Roast Suckling Pig Day. To me, those those days don't go together. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good cookie. And thanks to Paul from Light on the Law for celebrating uh, Krampusnacht in his show. That was a fun presentation there. So we better get to some of these happenings. We've got, it's kind of a quiet week because we've got the holidays coming up. People are too busy to organize events, apparently. But we've got this one tonight. Uh, the Movie and Pizza Party over at Guy House Interfaith Center. The movie this week is the Stanford Prison Experiment. You know, a light-hearted rom-com for the holidays. <laughs> no, it's actually about the Stanford Prison Experiment in the... Well, uh, that's the name of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you're not in a happy-go-lucky holiday mood, you can come and watch the Stanford Prison Experiment with us. 7 p.m., Guy House Interfaith Center. Cousin Andy's presents tonight, Small Potatoes, from 8 to 10 p.m. at the Yellow Moon Cafe. The favorite duo, Small Potatoes, plays their annual concert at Cousin Andy's tonight. And this Chicago-based duo play a show that ranges from Celtic to Cowboy. Hmm. That's a wide range. Yeah. So, again, that's tonight. All right, and coming up on Saturday, it's the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market. Yes, even though it's chilly outside, they do still exist. Inside. Uh, inside. They are indoors at the Carbondale Community High School. And they're going this week. They won't be there on the 26th or January 2nd, but that means they are still going strong this week. And all sorts of local foods. It's uh, community arts and such. It's a good place to stop by and get some food, some holiday artisan items. Mark your calendar for Saturday, the 17th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Community Celebration at 4 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. Again, Saturday, January 17th. And the theme this year is We Who Believe in Freedom Shall Not Rest Until It Comes. There will be music, interpretive dance, readings, and a special performance. Yeah, and if you want to be involved in the community choir, there will be a few community choir sessions starting on the uh, January 4th, I believe. It's, yeah, January 4th and 11th at Guy House Interfaith Center. We'll have more on that as it approaches. Will do. I will be gone for the next few weeks. So I'll see you again next year. Yes, see you next year. And in the meantime, I'll be back next week flying solo like Han Solo. <laughs> uh, so we will see you next week on the radio. May the forest be, may the forest be with you. There you go. Gotcha. There you go. <laughs>